podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes, and today I am delighted to be joined by Colin Watt. Welcome to the show, Colin. Hi, Paul. How's it going? It's uh, good to see you in person, and after all your media uh, exploits over the next, last few weeks, we're going to see you in the jungle next year, maybe. Well, you say, listen, I've been in the jungle. Um, you say <laughs> in person, we're not actually in person. Uh, obviously, we are doing this remotely. Um, mm-hmm. But yes, I mean, with regards to that, I don't know what your thoughts are on fans speaking to the media. Obviously, there's been a huge amount of feedback on social media, as you would expect, Colin, after it. But I think my view has always been that um, you've got to choose it wisely. But I think that if you're able to try and influence any kind of narrative, then you've got to do it. Um, I don't think it makes sense just to... Um, ignore it or have this viewpoint whereby if you do that then you're the enemy, you're feeding into the problem, you're part of the problem. I don't I don't subscribe to that. I think that you've got to be able to try and influence the media. At no point uh, do I claim to be a, f- uh, a voice of the fan but what I can provide is what we are seeing day in, day out on a Celtic state of mind. So it's not always just my view, it's the view um, of a massive amount of people who are joining us on the broadcasts so, yeah, it's uh, one of the things, Colin, that I think is definitely necessary if you want to try and get a message out. And I do have quite a few people saying to me, well, you don't speak for me. That, that's fine. That's not what my intention is. I just think that the fans now more than ever certainly need to have a platform. And I think if you go on and speak to them, then um, that is far better than just ignoring the mainstream media. They've got a, few, they've got a huge, huge reach. You'd rather listen to people like yourself, like fans who can put their points across um, in an articulate manner, other than some of the pundits that's out there, some of the comments that's coming out from ex-professional footballers, ex-like um, 
people that's been in the media for a long time, mm-hmm. um, it's better to hear the fans' voice. And it's about time that the fans were given a voice. And platforms like this clearly do give fans a, a chance to put their views across and to air their points. As you said, you're not speaking for everyone. You're giving the views of what you're seeing from everyone that's watching today. And a big welcome to everyone who's joining us. But at the end of the day, you've been given the opportunity to help put the point across. We hope that um, the board and the, the team are listening. So the more that fans get the, the chance to air their views instead of having to follow the agendas that's set out there by journalists and by um, ex-players and pundits, then the better, I think, for football. Well, you, you've touched on a point there in relation to uh, fans getting their views over. And one thing I did mention uh, on the Sky Sports chat yesterday, and I don't know if you've seen the full-length one, which was on a wee bit earlier on, Colin, but it was aired on that. And it was the fact that, you know, the club has previously allowed fan platforms into the press conferences and they have given some access to a chosen few of which a Celtic state might have never been, uh, you know, accepted or allowed in or invited into anything of that nature. But we do know that uh, the 90-minute cynics, uh, I think they're now called the cynic, were in until recently. So that mm-hmm. was confirmed. And I just think it's a bad move to cut that line off. I think you should embrace the fans, you should embrace fan media, and it's a great way of engaging with fans. And, um, you know, obviously just going by the tweets that I saw the other day from the Cynic Twitter page, I, I, think, I find that really unfortunate. I think that's an own goal by the club. Yeah, I agree. And you look at the, the influence that some fan groups have, um, especially down south, you look at Arsenal Fan TV, you look at uh, the guys down at the Anfield Rap, it's just... Fans want to listen to things that are about the club. They don't want to look at the agendas that are set by the press at times. I mean, you take a look at Chris Boyd at the weekend, they're picking his team of the week and it was full of Ross County players. Nobody wants to pick up a paper and read nonsense like that because people do have an agenda. What they want to hear is real fans' views. They want, In this time that we're living in, when you can't go to the pub unless you're in Tier 2 or wherever you are and you can't um, speak with your friends, you can't go to the games... This offers a platform that's in a virtual way similar to it. You can come in, you can put your points across, you can have that the odd person that comes in throwing a wild accusation here and there, but you get that when you go on supporters' buses to games as well. This is as close as you can get to what it was like before lockdown happened, and the fans' view now is more is as strong as it's ever been. And to put that point across in the platform that you've been given, I think is a great thing. Well, listen, Colin, I mean, the headline, What Awaits in the San Siro, only tells some of this story, but, you know, um, every headline could be the same at the moment because all the, the yeah. same, you know, the same talking points, the same conversational pieces uh, amongst the Celtic support um, are, are continuing due to the fact that nothing's changed. You know, so yesterday when we went up to, to Lennox Town and somebody's asking me if I got there um, to Lennox Town in a private helicopter, Robert uh, P.R. Burkle, not far off. It certainly isn't an easy place to find. I've never been one calling for going up there and obviously getting autographs and all that. I've been to Lennox Town once in my entire life prior to yesterday and it was 10 years ago and I struggled to find it then and it's no easier to find now. Um, it really is in the, in the middle of nowhere. 
It's in the middle of nowhere, and your sat-nav takes you somewhere else. It takes you kind of in the general area of it. But I did find it eventually, thankfully. But um, I, I do remember the, the last time I went up in 2010, I was going up, and, and again, I got slagged off for d- dropping names. But I had asked for an interview with Danny McGrain. I don't think I'd get in if I asked again this time round, but certainly back then I did get in. And Danny had forgotten that he'd agreed to the interview, so I had to wait down the stairs on him for ages because he was sorting something out with the uh, passports for one of the youth teams, right? In the meantime, the players were training on one of the pitches and I got that half-hour opportunity, Colin, to watch the team in action. And it was um, in the interim period when Neil Lennon first took over. And I remember Boruk had um, broken a pinky, so he was playing in a bounce game outfield and he's just gone round, you know, taking (laughs) Foucault. And and Zeng Z was in the team. Remember he scored remember a, a free Jeez, kick at yeah. Tynecastle. We remember he scored the free kick yeah, at Tynecastle. Remember he scored, aye. It, it was a Friday before that game, um, so it was an interesting insight back then. This time round, I didn't get past the barriers, and probably will never get past the barriers again. But um, obviously, there was a few points raised, and it would be good to discuss them because they are the points that I can see th- being thrown around on social media at the moment. Uh, social media is a strange place at times, Colin. Eh? I mean, by God, you get some stick on that place, eh? It's. Um... I was speaking with Ali Begg before this and he's saying it is a bit of a poison chalice. It's a great way to get um, your adverts out there and to, to publicise things, but some people's views on it are just absolutely incredible and you just wonder how they can sit there with either a phone in their hand or a laptop on their legs and just put that point across and then think that they're being reasonable. But this is a free world. Everyone has free speech. As one of our, our regular commenters is, free speech for the dumb. So... The thing it's is, a, Colin, there. there's free speech and there's there's hateful speech. I, I wonder how a lot of the people that comment on my posts, I wonder how they got their mobile phones into their police cells. That That's what my concern is. Um, or their padded cells. Now, the Black Dog uh, is commenting on YouTube, the strength and adversity and forward together statements from the club serve only to unify the support against the current incumbents. A slow release of self-destruction with lasting consequences. Now, it was something we raised and um, obviously one of the big things that we spoke about uh, yesterday morning, it was aired in the afternoon, was a lack of engagement from the club. Um, and uh, what then happened about an hour later is a statement came out from the club and that, what followed that statement was a, a video from Scott Brown and somebody says, you know, it was almost as if he was blinking to say SOS as if he was being held hostage. Uh, did you see the video? I did. It's a very uncomfortable watch. Very mm. uncomfortable watch. So this is, um, this is the PR. This is the PR uh, offensive, the charm offensive, Colin. Do you think it's working? It doesn't seem that way, does it? I mean, if you take a look at the tweet that came out with the statement on it, it's, uh, it, it tells a different story from what the story that Peter Lowell's trying to put across anyway. Listen, I know that sometimes I can get a bit kind of like um, yeah, romantic in terms of what this club means and what this club is. And you look down the history books and when you're trying to put something together yourself, maybe if you're writing a book or, or something along those lines, and you get really entrenched in this this vision of what the club is, this fairy tale, as Billy McNeil uh, once called it. Um, and during times like this, yeah, I, I, do, I do believe that people need to pull together in adversity. But what we can't do is we can't continue continue to uh, be asleep at the wheel. In fact, we're worse than that. We're drunk at the wheel and we're being intoxicated as a club, 
as a club, we've been intoxicated by this level of success, but not just the success, but uh, the fanfare that comes with that. So this entitlement that I keep hearing about, I think there's an entitlement on those in power at the club, and that entitlement is that we can do and say as we please, and you will still continue to buy your season tickets. So this entitlement, let's turn it around. I don't think it's the fans that are entitled because we're demanding change. I think the entitlement starts at the club. It's the, the word entitlement it completely, uh, I'm so flabbergasted by it. When you think about it, they're saying you're entitled because of the success that we've had in recent years. Now, if you were working in, say, for example, a warehouse and you're used to doing 50 orders a day and then the next couple of weeks you start doing 100 orders a day and it drops down to 50 again, your manager's every bit entitled to come out and say to you, why is the standard slipping here? They don't go back and say, oh, well, I mean, you've done 100 in the last couple of weeks, so you've slipped down to what we're, we're used to. It's, it's back to normality again. No, that When you set a standard, you've got to reach it. And the fact is, in this season, we've set such a low bar compared to what we've been used to over the last couple of years. And it's not one result, as a lot of the press tries to make it out to be. It's two wins in 10 games. It's a 42% win record this season. And it's been out of three cups before it's even Christmas. Mm-hmm. It's not just the the response of one game. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. And it's not a knee jerk reaction. This is another thing, Colin. It's not just as a result of one game uh, or the embarrassment in Europe or the Ross County result or the Rangers result, and I could go on. It is over a period of time that the Celtic fans, because you know this is another thing. You know, it's almost as if Celtic fans are being talked down to, as if we can't see what's in front of us, Colin. And again, I'm just. Speaking for the vast majority of people that tune into a Celtic state of mind, we know there's a problem and you can't hide that through a statement, which again, I didn't do my my research on this particular matter in terms of when was the last time Peter Lowell communicated with the Celtic fans? When was that? You know, when was that last communication? We live in a world whereby at a push of a button, you and I can go live. We can go live on social media, on YouTube. Mm-hmm. It is easy now. It's so easy to engage with fans, but the club are so paranoid in terms of what goes out there uh, as an official broadcast that it's almost as if, you know, they fail to communicate at all. So, Kaplow Mark, who gets involved with the broadcast quite a lot, and it's great to, to hear from you, um, is commenting on YouTube, rolling out the captain answering pre-prepared questions is unacceptable, along with a statement inferring we should be happy with our lot. Um, I mean, that statement followed by the interview has only led to make things even worse in terms of the engagement in the PR and, and that um, exchange of views. It's almost as if we're being told... Be happy with your lot. Continue to watch the stream on the telly. And we just hope everything works out. I mean, the only thing that we are unaware of is whether or not something is happening in the background in terms of know what's happening, Colin. In terms of anything that's happening in the background in terms of their own plans to replace the management team and the coaching staff. And I did make um, the point yesterday of not singling out Neil Lennon um, because I wanted to make sure that it was the, a joint responsibility, not just because um, I am a massive Neil Lennon fan and I know what he's done for the club, but because it is a joint responsibility. So you could almost have it in three tiers. So you've got the, the playing staff who are underperforming, and, um, I mean, I named three players there. That might have been unfair. There's a lot more than three players um, who have underperformed this season. Uh, we then have the management and coaching team. 
and obviously Neil Lennon is the head of that and he's getting a lot of the flack but uh, we shouldn't miss Gordon Strachan, son Gavin Strachan rather and John Kennedy who are part of that and then you've got the board uh, up on high, there's Colin coming back in, um, up on high and the board um, have got a massive part of that responsibility so if you look at uh, where the board are and, and I mean I'm asking people without referring to a match day programme or the website how many of the, the, the board members can we actually name I mean they're almost faceless entities we've got the, the figureheads in Peter uh, Lowell and the major shareholder in Dermot Desmond but then the other ones are almost faceless entities they're, they're um, old school suits they do not connect with the fan base in any way shape or form so I think that uh, maybe not on a short term basis but certainly long term the club need to look at uh, the three tiered systems we need to look at how we are set up at the very top in the highest echelons of the club obviously the management uh, issue is one that we need to deal with straight away and then that permeates into the, the playing staff which is probably a more long term project if we want to change uh, the shape and the look of that squad Colin so it's important not just to single out Neil Lennon I know that the headline yesterday was Celtic fans still want Lennon out it's, it's mm-hmm. a much bigger issue than that at the moment isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it kind of stinks across the whole board from top to bottom. There's players in there that you're thinking just aren't pulling their weight this season. Between the management team, there seems to be some sort of fallout. i seen a, a tweet from Chris Sutton today suggesting that there's potentially a fallout between uh, John Kennedy and Neil Lennon. That's the last thing you need when you're going through a run like that at the minute. He didn't say it in as many words, but when you read what he's saying, that's basically the point he's trying to put across. You look at the board... You look at the way that they've come out with the the statement and then things that have been posted by uh, people within the, the foundation, within the media team, the tweets that's coming out left, right and centre, it just doesn't seem right what's going on at the minute. And we all knew that this year was probably going to be the end of the era, regardless of how it went. If you won the 10, that era was sort of done. Moving on to 11 and 12 is a lot more difficult to sell than moving on to try and win in 10. It was probably going to be a complete restructure from the players that were out there. The It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. The, the staff that we had, so we knew this was going to be the sort of tail end of the series. But for it to go out in the fashion that we're going out in the minute, it's, it's really, really poor. I don't know what it is, but 
I don't know. We we, we said on Sunday would uh, Lennon get the sack if he lost the game to Ross County and I said at the time he wouldn't get the sack because it just seems as though the forward planning that Celtic have is non-existent. So well, that's a concern, isn't it? But um, yeah. see the big thing, Colin, and I, I keep coming back to this. Um, I'm pretty sure Neil Lennon will be in tatters uh, at the situation that we're currently in. Mm-hmm. I've got no doubt about it. But I've been speaking over the last few days uh, to a couple of people involved in football um, who are Hibs-minded, if that's the right term. Uh, and they were talking about Neil Lennon's time when he was at Easter Road and how he come in and that Hibs needed Neil Lennon at that time. They needed the impact that he made when he came into the club at that particular time. Then they had this great run as they seen it, but in the final season, there was this um, deterioration. And mm-hmm. basically what happened was it wasn't just a deterioration on the park, uh, but also there was uh, issues off the park. So there was relationships being fractured. And there was a famous one, obviously, uh, with Canberra, which resulted mm-hmm. in a training ground bus stop, which ultimately resulted in the loss of uh, Neil Lennon's position and loss of his job at Hibs but uh, what they were talking about which I found really interesting was that um, when things stopped going right on the park Colin what you've seen was every single game change after change after change different personnel different shape trying things trying things trying things because I think it gets to the point where sometimes the manager loses that instinct because they start doubting their, their choices because they're in that situation where they know that obviously they, they really are under pressure. I think that's where Neil Lennon is at the moment. I think he's tried just about everything he can with the personnel that's available to him. And if I'm running the club and I'm looking at how poor we've been this season and there's a bounty in January to try and um, buy some reinforcements, you've also got to think, do you want to give it to the manager who's failed so far this season? Or if you've got a plan, surely it goes to the new gaffer. As you said, if you've got a plan, it doesn't feel as though there's a plan there. I mean, I know there was sort of the the speculation in the media that if it wasn't for the protest on Sunday, then Neil Lennon would have been gone, which I think is completely ludicrous to even suggest that. Um, If a manager's not performing to the level that you think he's performing to, it shouldn't matter what happens outside the ground. you either you, you base him on the merits of his performance, not anything that's happening outside of that. But you can't say Neil Lennon hasn't tried new things this season. I think we've tried three or four different formations. We've tried different players. We keep hearing these excuses of um, the situation with COVID, the lack of fans. Every team has to deal with that, so I'm absolutely not buying that at all. We have had some injuries which haven't helped us. We've had absolutely no width over the last few weeks, especially um, since James Forrest has been out of the team. And I know he divides a lot of opinion, but you take out someone who's scored so many goals and created so many assists over the last few years, and you do miss someone like that. But even if you had him in the side, I don't know if that would be enough to turn things around. There's certainly a lot of players out there that aren't pulling their weight. And what you've got to do, what you've got to do though, Colin, is you've got to, rather than persevere with um, players playing out of position, etc., you've got to play to the strengths that you have at your disposal. So yeah. if, for example, there's a player who, like James Forrest, has been missing for a long period of time, you shape your team around the fact that he won't be playing, rather than trying to fit players into positions that they're not comfortable in. Uh, so we have seen a lot of the, the players um, out of form, they're getting changed from position to position. I mean, even like Salt, when you look at the impact he made when he first came in, he's been led 
less effective in the last few games. If you were to look at his form, he's been far less effective in the last few games. And he looked like an outstanding signing when he first came in. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, a, there's a question up here, actually, because we are we're going to talk about the AC Milan game as well, uh, because I'm going to ask, because, you know, it could get a bit messy tomorrow night, Colin, if we put in a similar performance as we did. Let's just look at Hibs and Ross County. If we go out to the San Siro and put in that level of performance, it could get really really messy in the San Siro. Now, Stephen Fox, at this stage, from the game itself, I want to see Turnbull and Sorrell get experience, get a chance. We need to find a gem to get this season going. Um, Turnbull, is he available for selection after his uh, COVID? I think he will be, because it was 10 days. But will he have travelled out in that time? I don't think so. We'll see. We'll see. But I mean, the, the thing with Turnbull, the reason I bring him up is even if he isn't um, featuring tomorrow night, what happened when we, we chased this this young player, this this huge talent in Scottish football? I, I think if you were to say to anyone in Scottish football, who's the top two? A lot of people would say probably Turnbull and Lewis Ferguson. I, I see these names quite a lot. People might throw in a few others. Young Campbell at Motherwell's a, a good prospect as well. There's a few others, obviously. Um, now, we, we chase him and we get him to agree to sign. He's sitting in the boardroom with the Celtic top on. We're ready to actually unveil him to the press as a new signing or to the Celtic TV guys uh, and the internal media um, staff. Then obviously this issue turns up. So we have a chance to sign up. We go back in for him. We wait for an extra year call. And this is how much we believe in David Turnbull. This is how much we want him as a Celtic player. And obviously he also waits for us because I'm sure there's other offers on the table. He comes in, correct me if I'm wrong, he started one game and we're in December. So a big part of the the issue with the the play and the the drop in tempo and the lack of creativity and the lack of directness has been the midfield. So why not give Turnbull more minutes? I mean, it's quite frustrating when you bring a player like Turnbull in and he's not playing. Now you look at Barkas. Barkas was supposedly injured after a clash with Duffy and he, he then misses something like eight or nine games yeah. and he, he's then the second choice goalkeeper he's a four and a half million pound keeper not getting a game uh, granted he comes back in Duffy comes in this is where I'm going with this so Duffy comes in and it uh, emerges during the week that Neil Lennon apparently had doubts about Shane Duffy now what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back to 2003 and when Peter Lowell was appointed here is a direct quote from the press uh, the following week. Celtic last week announced that businessman Peter Lowell is to replace former chief executive Ian McLeod in the role of executive director, head of operations, in charge of all non-footballing matters. He had previously been the financial controller at Celtic Park between 1990 and 1991, working under Terry Cassidy. So he comes back in in 2003 and he is dealing with all non-footballing matters. So if Neil Lennon didn't fancy Shane Duffy, right, and he didn't sign him, just like Brendan Rodgers didn't sign Marianne Sved and probably others, then who's signing them? Who's making that decision? Who's signing them? Is it the guy who's in position for all non-footballing matters? I think we all know the answer to that. So you're operating under a, a situation where players that you didn't bring in are underperforming, you can't play them, you can't bring them in to shore up the terrible defence, which is now being referred to as the sieve, which is a 1990s reference that you won't get back in the day from uh, Not The View. Um, so I have a great deal of sympathy for Neil Lennon, of course I do. But then what you look at is you look at the six players we've brought in, 
three from the EPL, one from AC Milan, um, an international Greek goalkeeper, record goalkeeper signing for Celtic, plus Turnbull, who we've already spoken about. Now, if you're given those six players, then it's your responsibility to get a tune out of them, is it not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a, it's a difficult it's a difficult situation for, for Neil Lennon to be in, but it's one he should be able to manage. And when you look at the players he's got at his disposal, all you're expecting is better performances than what you've seen so far. The point that the, the viewer's making here about seeing Turnbull and Sorrow, Sorrow signed for, what, £2 million, Turnbull £3.5 million? £5.5 mm-hmm. million pounds worth of talent there that we've seen maybe 130 minutes of this season so far. You mentioned £4.5 million pound for Barkas. We've seen a couple of games that he's had so far. His performances weren't actually that bad before he was dropped when you compare them to uh, the goals that's been conceded since he's been out of the team. Yes. If you look at this, the side at the weekend, near Beaton comes in at centre-half, you've got Shane Duffy sitting on the bench. That's mm. another £2 million pound wasted. Mm, so at least. You've got, yeah, so you've got a point about who's doing the, the signings. Now, a lot of people saying it's on Nick Hammond. But when you look back at it, even before that, the guy that was in charge um, when Brendan Rodgers was there, still bringing in a lot of players that Brendan Rodgers hadn't heard of. He he was the guy that brought in Marion Sved before Brendan Rodgers had a, an idea of who it is. Mm. So is there someone within the backroom team that is identifying potential money-making players? Now, I say potential because none of these players have went on to make any sort of money no. and has fed it to the board over the manager's head to suggest... Let's get him in as a project player. Let's spend a couple of quid here. I can list guys that have went on to be complete duds that we thought could go on and do that for us. Bio, Ibui, Kowasi. There's a, there's a long, long list. There's a whole host of them, uh, Colin, and you can go through uh, the seasons that we have been dominating in Scottish football that you probably got away with that because there was no challenge. And this is, this is the big thing. There is now a challenge. Obviously, there is because we're sitting... Uh, second in the league and as I said yesterday second is nothing when it comes to to Scottish football but uh, that's where the joint responsibility comes in that's where we need to make the big differences and I remember putting this out um, a wee while ago back in August that uh, Marianne Sved uh, Vakon Isuf Bayo Jack Kendry and Ibu Kouassi all left Celtic Park in the summer combined transfer fees £7.75 million combined appearances 69 total minutes 3,180 cost per 90 minutes it's 219,360 quid. A quarter of a million pounds for every 90 minutes you got from that cluster of players. And there's others, if you go further back, th- throughout the 10 years of, or so-called 10 years of domination. So that, again, is a, a, is a club-wide issue that we mm-hmm. can't say Neil Lennon is a bad judge of a player because I don't think Neil Lennon is a bad judge of a player. I think when you look at some of the players he was bringing in first time round, because that's all we've got to kind of compare it with, and a lot of them were Neil Lennon players, Neil Lennon targets, 100%. You, you, you knew that. Uh, you knew that, obviously, there were certain people working uh, on his behalf and identifying players, but they, these, I mean, Gary Hooper was a Neil Lennon player. He identified mm-hmm. them. Um, he went and, and signed them for, I think, two and a half million. And that was that was Neil Lennon. There was various others. So, uh, but again, you, you've got to then say that Neil Lennon knew the paramar- parameters of his own uh, control when he took the job, um, and it's simply not working any longer, Colin. And that's why uh, you know no one is blameless in this situation, and that's why the people above Neil Lennon who communicated with us yesterday, um, and it was two hundred and thirty-four words of nothingness. I think uh, that's how I would describe the statement. Um, how can they better? How can they better engage with the fans, do you think, as a club? 
you asked a question earlier and I don't think we ever put an answer out to it when you said about the last time that Peter Lowell actually interacted with the fans in a, a sense like that. I don't know if it was the last time, but I do remember when Neil Lennon took over and they took him round a, a selection of supporters clubs to try and win the fans over to try and get season tickets. I think that may be the last time I've actually seen Peter Lowell doing something like that to an extent where he's been so interactive with a large number of fans because when you yeah. put a, a statement out there, you're not actually engaging with the fans, you're just putting your point across. It's, it's not leave, even engagement, is it? It's just, no. there's your statement. Yeah, it can come on it. here and leave that exact same comment on today's broadcast. That, that, that's, the, that's what he believes is an engagement with the fans. I know there's been fans groups set up and um, I, I believe he's been at Celtic Supporters Association meetings in the past. But it, it, it just, there is a disconnect. And I think this is probably since the, the the board were taken over when Fergus McCann stepped in. I think this is the biggest disconnect between the board and the fans has been in that period. Now, when we look, because, you know, I'm just thinking when you're saying here uh, about a disconnect, when you look at the um, the weekender that we're putting together, and there's a ticker tape at the bottom of your page, we're putting together a quadruple treble, let's hope that uh, doesn't come back to haunt us, uh, charity weekender, a Celtic state of mind aims year on year to do a charity weekender call, and this year we're calling it the, the quadruple treble charity weekender for obvious reasons, uh, and it's really um, to support the most vulnerable in our societies and in our communities, and I'm going to bring up a list of the, the charities there are, there are four charities that are going to benefit from, there's a point to this, there is a point to this not just plugging the charity weekender but we're coming together with a number of other podcasts, other shows other Celtic groups, I think uh, now is the time the time is now, as the Smith said. So the grand old podcaster involved, the Celtic Underground, who I think could well be the oldest football podcast in the world, by the way, the Celtic Underground. Um, Celtic ATZ podcast, check it out. Come on the hoops. Um, Glasgow is Green podcast, who recently spoke to Kelvin Wilson. The Homeboys are involved. Celtic Da which is a podcast, and uh, I'm a Celtic da, apparently. Ball Boys podcast um, are making a, a welcome return to the fray. They've been on um, a, a bit of a hiatus for a wee while. Uh, Celtic Down Under are going to be tuning in from Australia. We've got We Shall Not Be Moved podcast pod 67. I mean, there's loads of names here. Uh, mm-hmm. The Huddle Breakdown, uh, Football CFB are going to be involved. Celtic Fans TV, the Celtic Ray podcast as well and um, St Rocks as well as Four Tims the Four Tims are going to be involved there'll be a couple more but as you can see there what we're doing is we're giving everybody one hour um, to come on it'll be in this broadcast studio it'll be for 12 hours in uninterrupted on both days so 24 hours of footage why don't we invite uh, Peter Lowell to speak to the fans at some point on this most historical weekend when we're raising cash for some of the most vulnerable in the community. Why don't we extend that invitation to Peter Lowell? Do you think that would be a good idea? Paul, the invite is always there for someone within Celtic to come on and no, answer I, the questions here. I, I think mean, that I think as a as a fan base, because as I say there, there's a lot of groups there all coming together. There's no rivalry between any of the podcasts mentioned or any podcast. Um and any that, that's not mentioned there, it's not a refusal, it's just that perhaps there's other things in the diary, etc. So, 
Yeah, it's going to be a weekend where a lot of Celtic heads, a lot of Celtic voices will be engaging with our two 12-hour podcast. Why don't we ask the man to engage? I think that's a great idea. Let me know what you think if you're tuning in on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube. And we'll put that invitation out uh, to the CEO, see if he wants to get involved uh, in the most historical weekend. Now, that would be very interesting either way what the response is, Colin, but let's maybe test that. Now, uh, some of the comments coming in on YouTube, Michael Quinn, what is the board going to do if Sunday goes wrong? Well, we might be able to ask Peter Lowell that if he comes on the show. Uh, you're laughing. I'm not. I'm deadly serious, mate. Magnet no, I'm not at 67. At I'm not laughing at Peter Lowell. I just I know what the answer is to that question. Well, it's if you want to engage, if you, if you properly want to engage with the fans, let's not put out uh, 234 words of nothingness. Let's not put out the Scott Brown hostage video. Let's actually- As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Please speak to the fans. Let's no, speak to the, the Celtic fans. No, I agree with you. What I was actually saying is the, the answer to the question that the, the viewer put in there, what happens if we lose on Sunday? Uh, nothing. Because that's the point that they've put across. There'll be nothing. So I, I, I don't believe, unless something What's the end happens. Game? What's the end game there, Colin? I mean, I what is know. the end game? I mean, I, we, we lose against St. Johnson and nothing happens. I mean, that, that, that's just negligence. It is. But that just seems to be what's happening this season. It's completely ridiculous. And that's why Celtic fans are up in arms, really. Uh, and quite rightly so. There's some brilliant comments coming through. We're going to work through as many as we can. Magnet67, that is a cracking avatar um, of happier times, I guess. Uh, your comment on YouTube, I believe Dermot has something up his sleeve if Lenny loses to St. Johnson. Well, there's a flip side to what you're saying. You're saying nothing's going to happen. Surely there's a plan. Surely there's a plan. No, uh, uh, I believe there should be a plan. Is there a plan? I don't think so. If there was a plan after Ross County, after oh, so many different results this season, you would have thought it. But can you really come out and sack a manager two games after putting out a statement like that? As yes. much as it's a nothing statement, yeah, you, you can. Willie, I don't think so. We shall see, Colin. Helen McCallum, I'm not looking forward to tomorrow night's game. I predict another defeat. Now, Helen, my my fear about tomorrow night, and I said this as well, people are calling it a dead rubber. It's a dead rubber insofar as it means nothing in the great scheme of things for Celtic's European uh, Europa League campaign. It means something to AC Milan. It means something to Neil Lennon. And um, anytime Celtic play, and I don't care where they're playing, they could be playing a friendly or they could be playing in Europe, I don't want to see Celtic humbled. And I think tomorrow night there is a real chance, Colin, a real chance that that might, that might happen. Uh, was that the game when Celtic conceded, I think it was seven, to Barcelona under Brendan mm-hmm. Rodgers? Mm-hmm. And we were absolutely terrible that night. I think Dembele missed a penalty um, at 1-0. They could have made it one each. I don't even think it will be as good as that. I, I honestly have absolutely no hope for tomorrow night and the only thing that could be a positive if you're looking for any sort of positive out of it is that Slatan would be playing. Um, but for me, it's a chance not to see the great man playing football. Yeah, yeah, he is a great. He's a great player. He's a modern day icon, isn't he? Um, yeah. Robert P. Arbuckle. The board are happy to take plaudits from the fans. They need to be able to listen to criticism as well. Well, you know, the the silence has been deafening. That's why 
we raised that because we, we know that a lot of fans were being frustrated with it. I mean, I think the example I use is there's a club in our league, in our division, it's Aberdeen. And what they did was they contacted individually uh, every single season ticket holder over the telephone. They contacted every single one of them uh, during this pandemic to make sure, not to try and sell them anything, to make sure they were okay, to actually engage with them, Colin. You know, it wasn't as if, there you go, there's my slabby content, deal with it. It was actually engagement, two-way engagement. That's how it works. I found that tremendously uh, inspiring in terms of the fact that modern football gets a bad rap, but that is the roots of why you fall in love with the game because you feel part of the club and the club's part of your life and they were engaging and by the way hats off to them because I know they've lost an absolute fortune during this period Mm -hmm. then I ask the question I know for a fact that there are vulnerable ex-Celtic players who are struggling through this period I know that there's ex-Celtic players who have addiction issues who are struggling through this period Um, and there's those who have got illnesses who are struggling then you've got the widows of those who have sadly passed away who Mm -hmm. may need some kind of form of support what are we doing for them are they being contacted Colin I don't think they are I doubt it very much because the ones I've spoken to haven't been again it just engagement engagement that's what we need Again, it goes away from the, the ethos of what the club was built on. Um, when you think about it, when it was set up to poor, to feed the poor in the East End from the Irish immigrants, uh, and you look at the, the connection that the fans have had with the club right throughout the whole history of Celtic, um, you take a look at the, the Lisbon Lions, Celtic's most, like the, the most successful team Celtic's had in their history, and how frequently they would go out to Celtic supporters associations, how they would go out and speak to fans, the engagement that they had then. Now, as a, if you're a, sorry, if you're a Celtic supporters club trying to get a player or a, a member of staff to come down for a fundraising dinner, for anything for your club, Trying to get that out of Celtic at the minute is absolutely impossible and it has been like that for the last 10-15 years. And that's why I'm saying I feel as though between the club and the fans, it's just nowhere near as close as it should be and what it has been in the past and that's a real shame. Well, a Celtic state of mind has has made uh, over 30 requests in the last three and a half years. Uh, to the PR of the club to try and um, have some kind of links, some kind of engagement, and it's not happened. So that tells its own story. That's how difficult it is. Bromsgrove boy, that statement last night illustrates how much they treat us with disdain and utter PR disaster. Absolutely agree with that 100%. And on Facebook, we've got a, a comment. Whatever happens in Milan, Lobo's job should depend on him handing Lenny full reign over coaches and squad, shipping and ship out on Lenny's terms. If not, Lowell out. I think it's too late for that in terms of Neil Lennon because I think you you go into a situation in, in any job, Colin, but particularly in football where there is a point of no return, uh, you can't then get the players that haven't been performing for you back on site um, and uh, an entire change is required. And it's not just Neil Lennon, it's the, the, the whole coaching staff along mm. with Neil Lennon, other than, and I keep saying this, other than Stevie Woods because I don't think that would be uh, a good move. Um, for, for Steve Woods to get emptied as well. But um, yeah, also the thing with um, the broadcast that we're doing live um, is we've got Mark who's coming on regularly to give uh, Colin a wee chuckle. Watch the game, cry onto the Axom stream. Colin, this season of all seasons, we decide to do every game live. 
And it's not really going to plan. Just about every single one of you at one of the games at the end, you're basically looking at the clock. It's 85 minutes in. You're thinking, I'm going live in five minutes. <laughs> uh, is there anything we can talk about positively? It's been very difficult in that respect, is it not? It has. And uh, it's probably not what anyone expected at the start of the season. Even on the opening day of the season when you beat Hamilton, um, as much as you're kind of expecting that, you're thinking, right, we'll kick on from here. You're talking about getting the players in the window you got the players that we thought were probably the players that were needed at that time. It's just been the effort level that we've seen from the players and even from the management team this season. It's just not been up to the standard that we've set over the last nine years. It's it's ridiculous. And as you say, when you come on here, you look at some of the comments that's coming in. It's not just Celtic fans that you're broadcasting to because there's, team, there's fans of all teams coming in and having their say and some of them are completely ludicrous, but they, they get weeded out. But it's good to have that interaction with um, fans of other teams who come in and they, they see what they've seen from their team. They look at Celtic over the last 10 years and they can put across good points as well to suggest even from a non-Celtic fan's view where they think things are going wrong. And having a, a platform like this where you can put fans' views across, it's so important in this day and age. It is. I mean, even the other week there, I'm talking to a couple of Hibbies calling uh, leading up to the Hibs game, and they're telling me, you know, Celtic play one up front, Porteous and Hanlon will just mop that up. No problem. Um, and that's exactly what happened. And then it's, you know, 19 minutes away from the full-time whistle, 2-0 down, before we actually react to that, you know. So it's it's very reactive, and the reactions aren't fast enough. And that's that's been a coaching issue. It's been a Neil Lennon issue all season. What happens when we bring on the second striker? Uh, well, up until that point, everything that came into Edward and Ayete had been with the strikers' backs to the goal. Lee Griffiths is facing the goal, he gets in behind the defenders, he starts stretching on porches, starts struggling after that, and we start breaking them down. There's actually space behind the defence, and we get two goals, lo and behold. And I think that when it's as obvious to someone like me, to the untrained eye, because I'm not a coach, mm-hmm. and there's so many other fans like me that can, I mean... It, what, what are they seeing that we're not seeing? Now, Aero250, welcome back to the show. You're commenting on YouTube. We Jamesy Forrest is on your avatar. Uh, what would we have to have the wee guy back? I think a pumping is what awaits. Didn't he, didn't he hold back now? Very possibly we could be looking at two wins and a loving. Unthinkable. No manager in football should survive that. And then what uh, becomes my concern at that stage, if that is the stage, and I'm not arguing with you, Aero250, uh, we're going to the St. Johnson game. Even... Well, even less confidence, Colin. It's, it's about momentum. We just can't get the momentum if we can tell you get beat. Yeah, and that's been the case all season. I keep seeing um, comments from the players. I feel as if they're just being ruled out one at a time. I think we had Christy at the weekend, Brown in that interview, which, again, let's, the least said about that, the better. Um, there's been comments at the press conferences. We, we're behind the manager. We're, we're, uh, we're going to turn this around. We've got the ability... They keep saying this, but it's just birthday card pish. We've not seen it on in the on the park yet. No. We need them to actually show us what they're talking about because it's all words and we've not seen that in action yet. There's not been one point this season, with maybe the exception of sort of 10 minutes at Pataudry, where we've had our backs to the wall and we've actually managed to dig deep and get something. And even at that, we conceded in the last minute of the game. We, we chucked away the lead. 
Yeah. We chucked away the lead. Um, Patrick Murphy, you're commenting on YouTube. It's clear a growing number of Celtics of the Celtic support wants a change at every level. Lowell has been in his job 17 years, and we've seldom made ambitious moves that look like they would improve us in Europe. Um, and we have another interesting point from Jimbo two one six seven. There has never been a bigger disconnect between the fans and the club. What's your feelings on that in terms of the disconnect? What, what, how connected have you ever felt with the club, Colin? Because obviously when, when there's success, some, maybe it's not your priority to feel connected and that's understandable, right? Because everything's going well. Um, take my money. How many times have we seen that on Twitter? They release something new, take my money and, you know, it's the same when it comes to season tickets. Um, but when in adversity, to use Peter Lobel's word, um, I think that's when you need to connect with your fans properly. You really need to engage with your fans. I mean, I've said it time and time again, and I know there's issues with staff, but, you know, where, where is the content? Where is this outpouring uh, of real content that, that we know Celtic are capable of producing? Yeah, and you see it when Celtic need it. See when Ronnie Diala was in charge and he had the top tier closed. It was always about, let's connect with the fans, let's try and get them in, let's do this, let's... Um, Look at it. Honestly, feels as though they only connect with the fans when they're looking for the revenue to come in. And I think there was a lot going round on social media yesterday about fans potentially looking to get refunds for last season that didn't originally take them. And then just not long after that, out comes a statement from the board saying, "Get behind the team, get behind the the manager." I think when it starts affecting them in the pocket, that's when they start listening. And obviously, Dermot Desmond knew that the the money wasn't coming in, that the revenues were going down when Ronnie Dyla was in charge because the fans weren't turning up to the stadium. What's he do? He digs deep and he brings out Brendan Rodgers. Suddenly, the stadium's sold out, season tickets are through the roof, the merchandise is through the roof, and what happens when you've actually got a competent manager in his job? We actually do very well over that period. It's about keeping that going. Okay, maybe the disconnect between the board and the fans is still there, but as you said, when you're successful, it's probably one of the, the least things you've got on your mind when the, the team's successful. But when they're not successful, you still want them to to reach out and to be part of it. But look at the fan ownership that's going on across Scottish football at the minute. There is a drive to get fans more involved within clubs because it does have a success. But at Celtic, unless the money's not coming in, I don't think they care. I think they see us more as customers than as fans. There's such a thing called uh, average revenue per unit. It's called ARPU and it's uh, a very commercial uh, term and that's basically what people like Sky Television call their customers, just units. And it feels as though um, we are just a unit. We're just a number, a registration number, um, and we should be fans, not customers. That should really be the message. Uh, Jungle Lion, what do the board see that 99% of fans can? I'd love to know. I'd love to know. And this is why I asked at the top of the show, Colin, is there a plan, you know, that we're unaware of? Is there something brewing in the background? And if so, let's hope it's not Gordon Strachan because I did read some comments from Strach and he was quoted as saying, 60,000 people sing you'll never walk alone. There are a few hundred people, a few hundred uh, making Neil Lennon feel like he is walking alone. The Celtic fans who all understand what's going on will make sure he understands that as well. Now, that not only is platitudinous, in my opinion, when he says the Celtic fans who all understand what's going on, what he's saying is those who aren't actually questioning what's going on 
right? So that means that if you if you're not questioning it, uh, then you're a guy that understands what's going on. I mean. Don't come away with stuff like that, Gordon Strachan. I mean, at the end of the day, there's no way you could be anywhere near that manager's chair. I've seen his name popping up from time to time. And if he comes in, does that mean that, that Gavin Strachan can't, can, you know, can continue? Because for me, I don't want any of the Strachans in the, in the dugout. I've got to say, no disrespect. I don't want any of the two of them in the dugout. No. No, it's Gordon Strachan's time for club management has been and gone. I think he did a good job in, with Scotland and I think they got rid of him too early. But it's time for club management. It's long gone. It's the same when I see the, the suggestions of Martin O'Neill as well. I don't think his time for club management is here. And it does, it does feel like we are going back to the old Pals Act. When you look at it, Neil Lennon gets the job when Brendan Rodgers walks away. Did we have no one else that could have came in? No, we'll reach out to somebody that was here before. What happens when potentially he's going to be going? Or we'll reach out to guys that were here before and see if they'll take it on a short-term basis again. It, it does seem as though there's absolutely no forward planning. Unless they're a Celtic man, unless they've been there before, then they're not being considered. It's It, it seems like jobs are pals at times. It does, it does seem like that, but I think one of the parts of that, one of the issues, um, obviously, that that creates is if someone is in that kind of level or in that relationship with uh, Peter Lowell at that level, then they can be controlled to a degree. And I think it comes mm. down to control. If you bring someone in from left field like Brennan Rogers, who has a, a fixed set of views on how things should be done, then they're less controllable. And it, essentially what happened was he couldn't be controlled. Brennan Rogers couldn't be controlled because, I mean, he's got uh, a set of standards himself. He's got an ego. He's got a, an ego the size of New York. Now, if you come up against someone um, who is equally egotistical and controlling, it's never going to work. But if that someone has more authority at the football club, there's only one winner. And that's exactly what happened. So if you want to bring someone in who isn't the old pals at Colin, that is what the, the, the those making the decisions have to take. Mm-hmm. Are they willing to take that? Because I don't think they ever will be. Therefore, we're looking at a much smaller set of candidates. When you look at the scenario... Um when we were supposedly to get Roy Keane in, and Roy Keane says it in his book that he was forced upon him that he would be taking on Ronnie Dyla as his number two. Now that suggests that there is that sort of control that you're speaking about. They were trying to force that on him. He couldn't pick his own background team. He was getting Ronnie Dyla. And then when Ronnie Dyla comes in, what was the connection between him and John Collins? None. Exactly. Once again, was Gavin Strachan... Neil Lennon's choice? I don't think it was. There seems to be things getting forced upon managers if they want that Celtic job. And yeah. it's only coming from people that's above them. And until that changes, then the kind of ethos of the club doesn't change. The problem with that, Colin, is there are always going to be a huge amount of managers who are willing to take the job regardless of that. Now, we've seen the problems. We've seen the problems between Ronnie Dyla and John Collins. We've seen the problems that it's created for Neil Lennon. The one time that it didn't happen was obviously in recent past um, was Brennan Rogers comes in, brings his own guys in, and you've seen how that ended. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a, there's a huge amount of uh, managers who would still take the job. You know, just like Neil Lennon took the job, just like Ronnie mm-hmm. Dyla took the job. There's a huge amount. There's people like Roy Keane who think, no, I don't. I mean, there's so many people who don't need the job, you know, in terms of a financial level or they've achieved everything in the game that, that they want to achieve. Um, so they need to have the hunger, first and foremost, but they also need to be able to, to stand up to the boarding. The problem is if they do stand up and say, this is my 
um, you know, this this is what I'm going to ask for. The chances are they won't get the job, and yeah. this is what I mean. So your actual your criteria is going to really shrink uh, the actual pool of pool of managers, the pool of coaches that you can call upon, and that's why Neil Lennon was an easy appointment for Peter Lowell, but he was the wrong appointment, you know. And, and history has shown that as well. Um, we're Glasgow Celt. Uh, you're commenting on Twitter. Should fans be looking at having a proper set up protest on Sunday if things don't change? Now, what I'd like to, the reason I brought that up, I'd like to bring up the protest because obviously without protests, we wouldn't have a, a football club to support, Colin. This is me giving you my wee Celtic dab it from the 90s. But without the protests, we wouldn't have a club. So I have no issues with protests, but obviously there was an issue with the fact that there was a gathering during these times, and we know the politics around that and the health issues around that. So yes, it was wrong. Um, but protesting is something that if it is done and it's done correctly under normal circumstances, then I think it's acceptable. Under circumstances where people shouldn't be gathering, then obviously it, it, it's unacceptable. So under these circumstances, we've got to try and use some of the other platforms that are available to us, such as a Celtic State of Mind. Um, and there are others available, obviously, but you can get involved and you can put your point across that way. Wouldn't it be great if we could approach the highest echelons of the club and ask for representation and ask for Peter Lowell to come on on our charity quadruple treble weekend, Colin, to speak to the fan base? Because, and I've not done the exact figures, but a glance at November um, shows that we've actually had over 600,000 people tuning in across all platforms just in November. So we've got a fan base there uh, of Celtic supporters who Peter Lowell can talk to directly, should he desire. Does he want to? Probably not. I will be I mean, asking. I mean, I, I think it's a great idea to ask him. And there's a lot of comments saying, yeah, go and ask him. But I think the last time he spoke on a fan's podcast was pre-recorded. It was an interview that went out, I don't know if it was last summer or the summer before. Um, and it was for about an hour. Mm. And I believe that the questions were vetted before they were asked to him. Mm-hmm. So to get the actual point across to Peter Lowell, is, is so difficult. The, the, the protest at the weekend, we can't say to people to go and protest, especially with, we know the the kind of restrictions that are ongoing at the minute, where a lot of Celtic fans come from. Um, people that are in the local area will still think that they can go over and uh, protest. And I understand why people would want to do it. I just don't know what gets across to the board anymore. I really don't know what gets across to them. You've got the people that they've been trying to put their um, spin of things on, guys that are out in the media um, that were two weeks ago totally behind Neil Lennon. Then in the last couple of days, you see they think it's time for Neil Lennon to go. They're actually airing their own opinions on it. What is it that Peter Lowell sees? Does he see, does he get a paper in the morning? Does he take a look at what's in the papers? Does he have a look on social media? Does he get any report of what the fans is coming in? There's no supporters association meetings at the minute. Is he getting the feedback from them? Where is he basing his opinion on? Is he basing it purely on what he's seen on the park? Because that picture that he cut on Sunday of him with his head in his hands is exactly the, the face that every Celtic fan had as soon as that second goal went in the back of the net. No, you're absolutely right. Now, um, a lot of people are actually saying that Roy Keane would be okay at Celtic. I mean, and it's all about opinions. This is the thing. It doesn't matter, Colin, you could disagree with that. Uh, but Pat, who is a regular on a Celtic state of mind, reckons that Roy Keane with Damien Duff 
uh, would work. They're both winners. Well, they certainly are both winners. I like Roy Keane in many, many ways. I think there was a time where he would have been a good fit, but I think his time has gone in yeah. terms of being a manager. But then you start thinking about the dynamic of a management team and you think, well, the coach is, is actually dealing with the players on a day-to-day basis, calling it. You know, the coach is doing a lot of that day-to-day stuff with the players. If you think back to the Martin O'Neill time, and Martin O'Neill would maybe come down to the training pitch on a Thursday or a Friday, and then you'd see him before the game mm-hmm. to give the team talk. And, you know, um, so the manager's got a completely different role in that respect. Um, you look at Roy Keane and you think about uh, the disciplinarian that he may be. I think, I think Neil Lennon's a disciplinarian. You know, but uh, it gets to that point where you're so far down the road that, you know, discipline sometimes it can wear thin and then players switch off, and it, 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 particularly in the modern day. Um, so that is perhaps where we are in terms of the Roy Keane situation. Um, I haven't seen anyone coming in and saying that Gordon Strachan would be a good appointment on this particular show. Um, and then we've got Philip DeMarco, welcome back, and uh, <laughs> look at the avatar. Um, <laughs> is it controlling or future planning. I think there obviously needs to be an element of control. Colin, of course it does at that level, mm-hmm. but not to the detriment of what the manager's trying to do. Yeah, the, the manager is meant to be where the buck stops with the team. Anything above that when it comes into the likes of transfer fees, when it comes into budgets, that's not completely the manager's doing there. That goes into where your chief executive comes into it. But the performances on the park, that's where the, the buck stops at the manager. So there has got to be a sort of coming and going between the chief executive and the manager. But not to the level that we're seeing where it seems to be that people are going over his head to go to the chief executive to suggest players to bring them in. Um, and not to the, the level where the chief executive puts the point across and says, you must do this, you must do that, you must have this guy in here. Um, it's... It's not the the relationship between them as much as they say it's great and as much as they have these positive Zoom calls, I don't think they're fooling anybody. Well, if he's a fan of Zoom, we don't use Zoom, but it's the same process. I'll send him the link and as I say, I'm going to try it. Uh, Jungle Lion, Celtic managers will get the job with one hand tied behind their back. That's exactly how it sounds to me, Jungle Lion. Thanks for your... Uh, your contribution and uh, I don't know what Joseph McGonagall's talking about there he will only do it on his heated driveway uh, now he may he may come back to me so I'm not writing it off Colin I mean listen when I started doing stuff everybody was beyond an interview but then before you know it you've interviewed people like Neil Lennon like John Barnes and, and Kenny Dalglish and various other people so nothing's beyond the realms of possibility let's have a look at whether or not there is a response but um Alex Miller, please, please, Roy Keane. Please, please, Roy Keane. There, there are some fans who are interested in Roy Keane. I don't know, Alex, are you a Celtic fan? Could you just qualify that for me? <laughs> um, but I, I think that uh, you're telling us that Lenny is talking to the media now on Twitter, so maybe the engagement has increased or during the, the last couple of days, during the last 48 hours. Now, let's because I won't speak to you before tomorrow night unless you want to join me for the game. Not in person, of course, Colin. But um, how do you think we'll line up and what is your prediction for tomorrow night? This is a difficult one. Um, I think we'll probably go with the the sort of 4-5-1, whatever formation sort of thing we seem to be going. I think Edward will probably start up front. I still think uh, we can get a tune out of him. 
Barkas will probably start in goal. Be interesting to see whether Frimpong comes back in for El Hamid or not. Um, Ayer and Julian are probably your centre halves, like Salt plays. The middle of the park's probably the biggest concern. Um, I, I wouldn't start Scott Brown. Um, I think there's there's a time for starting Scott Brown. I don't think games like that is going to do him any good. If Turnbull's available, it'd be interesting to see him in the squad. I don't think he'd get a start just because he's not played. Um, McGregor comes in. Christy, Rogic. It's the team almost sort of picks itself, even though they're not playing well at the minute, because you know that Lennon's not going to go in and make wholesale changes for this game. He would probably have announced it beforehand. You'd, you'd still like to see guys like Turnbull, Sorrow, Connell, Dembele all given a chance this season. But over in AC, over in the game in AC Milan, I just I can't see it happening. You might see it in the last game of the, the tournament um, at home, but I don't think you, you'll see it tomorrow night. I don't have great hopes for the game tomorrow. Um, I think if you keep it a sort of two-goal margin, you've done well to go over there because they're the form team in Europe at the minute. As much as they're still missing Zlatan Ibrahimovic, they are the form team in Europe. So, um, yeah, I, I kind of write off tomorrow night, but it is then 2-11, two, 2-12, two 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 2-11 if we don't win tomorrow, Colin. Uh, the last two European results have been 4-1 reverses. I think we'll be doing well to get a 4-1 defeat tomorrow night. That's where we are. I think yeah. anything 4-1 and below, you know, as much as I hate Celtic getting beat and getting, you know, uh, defeated 4-1 is embarrassing enough. I don't think we're going to get much better than that. I don't think yeah. we're going to pull out the performance we've seen for 60 minutes against Lille. I'd love to yeah. be pr- proved wrong. I would love to be proved wrong. Um, so, yes, we, we've just came up with this idea. It's not a publicity stunt. Let's, in, let's um, invite... Peter Lowell on to the uh, Celtic State of Mind weekend or the quadruple treble charity weekend because there are a host, I think it was 18 at the last count, a host of Celtic groups stroke podcasts. And by the way, why don't we ask the Not The View boys in as well for for an hour? That'd be good. Everyone's Um, welcome. No, but give them their own show. Give them their own show for an hour. Uh, I loved the Not The View back in the day. And so uh, we're going to invite him on, see if he wants to speak to the fans. Um, I'm pretty sure it would uh, obviously be uh, on conditions or under certain conditions, or indeed we won't have a response. But we'll certainly be asking a question, Colin. But I do think back to the time when, remember Kenny Dalgleish and Vida Reseth did the press conference from Baird's Bar Mm -hmm. um, in amongst the fans. You know, Thomas Cabre, a massive Celtic fan who ran the pub at the time. And there, there is Dalgleish and, and Reseth doing a press conference from the Beards. Outstanding. Now, unfortunately, we can't do that because the Beards no longer exists. It's now a trendy looking bar, which is probably closed at the moment. But um, let's get them on and let's use uh, the uh, art of digital media to put it out to the Celtic support. Who would be the Vida Reseth of the current day? The Vida Reseth. The Vida Reseth for the current day. Um, Vida Reseth was one of the players. He scored in the cup final that year, actually. The league mm-hmm. cup final, 2-0 Aberdeen. But he was never a star, was he? He was never one of the star men. Um, I mean, just bring in the other big, gorgeous Norwegian, Chris Ayer. <laughs> yeah? Right, I'll leave you with that thought. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Remember, if you want to get involved in terms of sponsorship for the Quadruple Treble Charity Weekend, contact Kelly, um, who's 
um, email addresses at the bottom of your screen. The sponsorship isn't for us. The sponsorship, 100% of the sponsorship goes to the charities. So that isn't for, for our, our benefit. It's for the benefit of the four charities as well. So every penny made throughout the entire weekend, Colin, will be going to the four charities. Um, now, tell me, what, what are you looking forward to on that particular weekend, just while I bring up a list of the four charities? I think it's just the, the different points of view. We, we spoke about engagement. Um, but one thing that you can't say at the minute is there's not engagement between Celtic fans. It's completely through social media. You see it all the time. There's so many podcasts out there. It's good to get everybody together um, just to see the different views. And I tell you what, it will be a fantastic weekend, hopefully. Um, what you're most looking forward to is hopefully lifting that trophy on the Sunday afternoon. Of course. The way I look at it, Colin, is if you get 20 groups or podcasts together, then each of their individual kind of fan bases or audiences can funnel in to this charity weekend. Everybody gets involved and we're a lot stronger that way than just saying, this is a Celtic State of Minds gig. This is mm-hmm. your ball and we're not sharing it. So we want everybody to get involved. But the four charities, we wanted to focus on mental health uh, because, I mean, everyday mental health is something that we need to focus on. We all know that at Christmas time it becomes particularly difficult for people. We yep. know that. Statistics will show that. Uh, but under the circumstances, even more so. So Rock Talk are, are the charity that will be benefiting from any um, of the donations for mental health. Homelessness. Now, there's a charity called H4TH, Help for the Homeless. They're based in Glasgow. So St. Saint Rock's are obviously based in Glasgow as well. So we're going to be supporting homelessness um, by giving a quarter of the funds to that charity. Food Banks. Um, the charity is Food Facts Friends who are based in Midlothian um, so they will be uh, benefiting from the, the Food Bank fundraiser and Vulnerable Kids um, with Children First who are also in the Lothians. So there's the four charities that we're going to be uh, giving the money to. Uh, we have massive targets but we feel that 24 hours plus the sponsorship, Colin, um, could allow us to raise the money that we're targeting to raise. And the actual got Just Given page is open, so we'll start sharing that on the social media as well. So once again, thank you to everybody for getting involved. And finally, thank you, Colin Watt, for joining me on A Celtic State of Mind. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad, because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. 
People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's E-A-S-Y to 203203. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives gives you access to all every audience live conversations trusted influencers and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company go to iHeartResults.com for more Sports Social Podcast Network Sports Social Podcast Network Sports Social Podcast Network Sports Social Podcast Network Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network.